This is the Reading and Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson, and today's topic, how do we handle different perspectives in the field of literacy instruction? Now, some of the ideas about reading instruction that I've presented in various formats may be at odds with your previous ways of thinking about things. In fact, some of these ideas may directly conflict with what you believe to be true regarding how children learn to read and how you should teach them to read. This is good. Dissonance or disequilibrium is an important part of learning. I would invite you to neither accept nor reject these ideas, these conflicting ideas. Touch them. Carry them with you for a bit. Let them settle. See what sticks. Sort it out. This is how we grow. This is how we change. This is how we continue to evolve. If we reject things without consideration, there is no growth. If we continue to think about things in exactly the same way. There is no evolution. Now let's look at our neural networks. When people read, they use what is in their head to make sense of what is on the page. When reading, there is almost 10 times more information flowing down from the cortex than flowing up from the page. This same process is at work as you encounter the ideas that I've presented in my books and my articles and my other podcasts. You're using your neural networks, the schema or file folders in your heads to make sense of these ideas. In Piaget terms, you are accommodating and assimilating this information in order to turn disequilibrium into equilibrium. New information that readily fits with existing neural networks is assimilated or easily incorporated. New information that does not fit that is, that is at odds with existing neural networks must be accommodated. Here, existing neural networks must be reformatted or new networks created. Your neural networks are used to make sense of what I have to say about reading instruction. Your neural networks constructed, were constructed initially based on your own experience as a student learning how to read in K-12 schools. They were expanded as you learned about reading instruction, observed reading being taught, watched a child develop language skills and learn to read, or had experience teaching reading. If you have been teaching reading for a significant amount of time, these neural networks related to reading instruction are most likely extensive. If the ideas presented here are at odds with these existing neural networks, instantaneous reformatting cannot be expected. These types of road to Damascus experiences 
seldom occur. Change of any kind happens over time. Some of the ideas I've presented in various media may be at odds with ideas described by other people in books, articles, or media, or things that might be taught in some university courses. In fact, some of the ideas I have written about or presented may directly contradict what another person has said, written, or is teaching. However, an important point is this. While the ideas presented may contradict what others have said, written, or taught, the focus is on the idea, not the person expressing the idea. This distinction is important. In the field of literacy instruction, there are significant differences and disagreements. This is good. In the larger academy, we should embrace these differences. They should become the basis for rigorous debate. In fact, I believe those of us in the academy are obligated to have these types of academic discussions. This is how we evolve our field. When we engage in respectful academic discourse, we keep the field moving forward. Based on our scholarly work, we must make and support our ideas with reason and research. And while we may disagree, we listen and respect those with differences. We do not demean others, question their qualifications, or diminish them simply to promote our own idea. Neither do we try to establish credibility by engaging in name-calling or using pejorative words and statements. And we do not try to silence those who hold different views on the teaching of literacy. This would not be aligned with what I and most believe to be ethical behavior for any academic, teacher, professor, writer, instructor, or scholar within the community. More important, this would not be good for the field of literacy instruction. Yes, some will strongly disagree with me on various points or issues. In fact, I would be highly disappointed if some did not strongly disagree. As I continue to engage in scholarly work, even I disagree with me on some points that I've made in the past. This is as it should be. If you disagree, I would invite you. Make your case. Use reason and research to support your ideas. Cite your research when appropriate. As long as respectful academic discourse is used, I celebrate all ideas, even when I think they're wrong. Now, some might think that differences that exist between what I present and what others present are simply a difference of opinion. However, I do not give my opinion in my books, articles, or courses. Instead, I present my research-based perspective as best I can.
I feel I have an ethical obligation to present what I have found a body of research to indicate to be the best practices regarding how to teach reading. If there are questions, I'll be happy to provide anyone with supporting research or citation for any ideas presented, but I will not give you my opinion. Some might think that differences that may exist between what I present and what others present are simply a difference in philosophy. A philosophy is a set of principles based on one's values and beliefs that are used to guide one's behavior. I do not present a philosophy in my books, articles, or courses. You will not get this from me. Differences you might encounter between my work and the work of some in the area of literacy instruction are most likely based on differences in theoretical perspective. Theories are used to organize a relevant set of empirical data in order to create a context for understanding phenomena. Put another way, a theory is a way to explain a set of facts. Theories are built not on a single research study, but on a collection of data gleaned from a variety of different research studies over time. Good theories are well substantiated, connecting a wide variety of data dots, all of which have been confirmed through experiment and observation. Now, I have found the neurocognitive model of reading connects the most data dots and best explains the phenomena we call reading. It is the process of creating meaning with print. This model of reading is the basis for my books, my articles, my podcast, my courses. This may be at odds with the phonological processing model used in some courses, in some books, and some articles. Here, reading is understood to be sounding out words. So how do you sort it all out? As I stated earlier, I would invite you to neither accept nor reject these ideas. Touch them. Carry them with you for a bit. Let them settle. See what sticks. Sort it out. This is how we grow, how we change, how we continue to evolve. But keep in mind, you are teaching children. You are not teaching programs or methods or theories or approaches. One size of reading instruction does not fit all. Keep your focus on the larger goal, which is to help children create meaning with print.